This is Tim the Perfect Storm, former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, and you're listening to the Ringside Rant with RJ. This is outlandish Zicky Dice, and you're listening to Ringside Rant. This is Joe Galley for the National Wrestling Alliance and NWA Power. You can watch every Tuesday at 6.05 on YouTube. You're listening to the Ringside Rant with RJ. Have you ever tried to explain why there's so much blood on those tissues in the garbage can in the bathroom to your partner? Well, times like that are over. Thanks to my friends over at Manscaped. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the perfect tool for a safe and satisfying Manscaped job. So you can trim up the hedges to satisfy your partner. The new Lawnmower 3.0 is designed with a compact shape for easy maneuvering while wet or dry. Because let's face it guys, everything is better when it's wet. It is also featuring precision engineering blades for a safe trimming in, well, let's say those sensitive areas. So you don't have to curse every time you try to shave. So go over to manscaped.com right now and use the promo code RANTERSNATION to get 20% off your entire order and free shipping. That's amazing, isn't it? Free shipping in addition to 20% off by just visiting manscaped.com and using the promo code RANTERSNATION. Welcome back to the Ringside Rant, and welcome to Ranters Nation. This week is a very special episode. I have the honor of sitting down with a man that, you know, quite frankly, needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyways. He deserves it. He's been up and down the roads for better part of over 30 years. He is the man, the myth, the legend. He is George South. Mr. South, how are you doing today? Buddy, I'm doing good, RJ. Thank you so much, man, for having me, buddy. I'm I'm looking forward to it, man. Hello, everybody. Yeah, it's uh, we first. I first got introduced to um, to you back in uh, in November. I don't know if you remember when uh, we were in uh, Baltimore for Starcast. You did a um, a uh, I guess you could say a stage show there. 
Um, right. With, um, I believe it was uh, Dwayne Gill and uh, I forgot the third gentleman. I'm sorry. Uh, Barry there you go. Okay. Yes, sir. And that was one of the. This was my first Starcast that I've been to, and um, I have to, you know, first and foremost commend, you know, a lot of the guys that you know were on that panel, yourself included, were just so very. Very, very humble and very nice to just sit down and chat with. Thank you know what I mean? And, um, Thank you. you know, it's one of those, I give a lot of credit because, you know, you don't, a lot of people, wrestlers don't have to be, you know, nice. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. But with yourself and Mr. Gill and Mr. Horowitz, it was one of those things where I just want to say, okay, sit down at the bar, have a beer and just, you know, let's, let's hear stories. <laughs> right. Thank you. Um, you know, RJ, what I've always tried to remember is, is I've never forgot what it was like to be a fan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I'm still the biggest mark, you know, in pro wrestling. And, and of course, here in Charlotte, North Carolina, I was able to, to you know, start going as a very young kid. And, uh, you know, I had Wallow McDaniels and Paul Jones as my favorite. And, I, and just uh, I still remember being able to walk up to them. You know, the wrestlers used to come out and actually watch the other matches. And uh, they and so I was able to you know get to know them and you know go get them coffee and carry their bags and so just in that awe of how nice they were to me. Now there were some jerks, don't get me wrong, over the years, but uh, you know just I never forgot what it was like. Uh, you know, and and I and I still do that to this day. When I mean I get hurried sometimes, get busy and get aggravated too. But I think, man, if I could just. Uh, you know, five seconds. If I can just take five seconds and just because uh, fans, fans are great. I mean, really, without them, there wouldn't be no pro wrestling. That sounds corny, and you know, we beat that to death. But I wouldn't have had a forty-year career without. Them. And uh, it's amazing that people still walk up to me, uh, RJ, and remember me against Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. And and you know, the last time I wrestled Ric was probably thirty years ago. But people have held on to that memory. You know all these years, and I think it's I think it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's especially the way that the the uh, with the WWE Network and a lot of these you know streaming sites that we have now available to us. Um, I just go back and forth. I have a, a eight year old. Well, he'll be eight in a couple weeks, but um, an eight seven year old son now. And I go back and I watch with him. I, I introduce him to you know a lot of the NWA, a lot of the Smoky Mountain um, stuff when right. I was pretty much his age or younger and just introduce him to, you know, you know, George South, Rick Flair, Harley wow. Race, Dusty Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, because for me, you know, current product, absolutely fantastic. I'm not going to you know, diminish that, but right. back in, you know, early to mid eighties and late eighties, that's when, that's when wrestling was wrestling. You it know? sure was. And it was just, it's just fun to watch. And I'm like, we always, you know, wrestling fans want to, you know, fantasy book all this stuff sometimes, and we always have a conversation with a couple friends of mine. Okay, what era would you want to go back in a time machine and see? And nine times out of ten, you know, the conversation we have, I want to go back and see, you know, the eighties, the AWA, right. when AWA, NWA, Smoky Mountain, all that stuff, and just see. You know, gentlemen like yourself and Mr. Flair and, you know, Harley Race, right. just see, you know, all these great matches. And you know what, uh, old timers used to relate it to like, you know, going in a restaurant. And when you go in a restaurant, there's a menu, you know, sometimes there's three or four pages of menu, and there's all kind of different 
food and you really enjoy that restaurant. But if you go in a restaurant, and, and I'm going to sound crazy all day, but if you go in a restaurant, there's only one food, it gets kind of boring sometimes, uh, if that makes sense. And you still love that restaurant, but all of a sudden you went from, you know, three, uh, three pages of menu to there's just one. Mm-hmm. And, and it gets kind of old sometimes. And uh, but that was, was probably not because that's when I was really very, very, very active and just falling in love with it. And, you know, it reminds me of our day of the old wrestling magazines. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I was a kid, that's the only way I could find out about, you know, Jerry Lawler or even Hogan or, or it's just I had to go buy these wrestling magazines. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I feel sorry for these some of the newer fans is they'll never they'll never feel what it was like to have to you know work hard and cut grass you know for that money just so I could go down to the newsstand mm-hmm. you know and, and buy all my magazines just so I could read up on you know a lot of these guys because there was of course no internet no you know no cable or anything like that mm-hmm. and uh, you know I got started with Ted Turner at in Georgia when, when cable was just starting to, to explode. And I was so young, around 18 years old, just getting into wrestling, and I didn't even know what was fixing to happen. But all I knew was all these wrestlers that I've been reading about in magazines, I was sitting in a dressing room with them. And that was like the coolest thing, that was like the coolest thing in the world. And they all knew that this tech, you know, Techwood Drive Superstation was getting ready to explode. And everybody wanted to be on that. Uh, and then it just, man, it did. And it just, it just took off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I keep telling a lot of people, that, you know, you know, just way, the way I got into wrestling, too, is one of those things where, you know, growing up here, I'm outside of uh, Rochester, but right now, but I grew up outside of Buffalo, New York, and... My grandfather, my I guess you could say my great uncle, I guess you could call him, used to right, actually, right. he lived in Flushing, New York, down in New York City. And he would actually, every time that a wrestling promotion would run Madison Square Garden or anything in the vicinity, he would actually take the clippings out of the paper and send them to wow. me. Wow. And, oh, and that's, you know, that's where I was introduced to like a Hogan, um, you know, Don Morocco, Snuka. Roberts, all these great Hogan, and that is those experiences that, you know, you don't necessarily need to, you know, have a scrapbook about this, this, and this, but those are those memories that, you know, you'll, I, I tell my son now, and That's right. it, it is it's just the way that, you know, wrestling is nowadays, you know, there's certain promotions out there, we won't, I won't say specifically that, you know, the fans of them are just, you know, just, you know, eat, like, like you said before we got recording is, you know, have your popcorn, stop criticizing everything and just let, yes. let it, let them work and just let them do what their talent, their talent allows them to do. Right. And you know what's missing, RJ, and nobody, I don't have the answer and, and nobody I talk to does is when you think about it, there's a whole missed generation that don't even come to wrestling. In other words, you just described it. Uh, there, you know, there used to be grandpas that would bring their their sons and then their sons would bring their sons and and it would just be like the big circle of life but all of a sudden there's no old people come to wrestling anymore have you noticed that there's not it's just like there's either real young or like teenager Mm -hmm. there's really there's no old people who used to sit at ringside every monday you know every monday night and and man would set their clocks by and 
there's just, it's like that whole lost generation just don't even come yeah. uh, anymore. Yeah. And uh, that's my favorite compliment that, like when I'm at some of these shows is when someone comes up and says, you don't remember me, but my dad, you know, he, he loved you and I, he brought me to the matches and I sat on his lap and, and just, he was so excited and, but he's passed away. So you really feel like that, man, I'm, I'm, I've been a part of this, this, this family, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. uh, all these years. And it's just, I miss, I mean, I'm not some old, you know, grouchy old timer that wish things were like they are. I mean, I know the internet's good and stuff like that, but the thing I don't understand, even the wrestling fans, it'd be like if you like uh, magic, and I told you, I said, okay, I'm going to take you down here. Let's go see David Copperfield. You said, oh, great. Thank you. So we're sitting there. And the whole time he's doing his tricks, I'm telling you how he's doing them. And yeah. after a while, you're probably going to punch me in the head, you know, <laughs> and, and, and just say, George, shut up and just let me enjoy. And that's that's how I feel, RJ. I don't want really to know how they pull that rabbit out of their hat. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I'm behind the curtain. And I don't want to know how, uh, when I used to take uh, Paul Jones and Wahoo, my favorites, out to eat before they passed away, they they knew how much of a mark that I was for them. And, and just to get me fired up, and I'm talking in my older age, they would say, uh, Paul Jones used to say, well, George, you know me and Ole Anderson are like best friends. And I'd say, Paul, please be quiet. I mean, he'd almost have me a tear. He's like, oh, we used to beat each other to death and, and then we'd go have a beer together. And I did not, uh, it sounds crazy, I didn't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd say, Paul, you need to be quiet. Because to me, the Anderson brothers and Paul Jones and Wally Daniel down here, y'all still hate each other. <laughs> y'all still hate each other. Yeah. And, oh, he would get me, so, just, to, just to get me fired up, yeah. you know. And, and But that's, it, it's amazing to me that, I remember going as a kid, and, and there was many times they would want to throw me out of these buildings because I would get so into, you know, the bad guy beating up my favorite wrestler. And I just wish sometimes, I'm just saying to come down, they're on their phones the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, you just spent 15 bucks to sit ringside, and you're not even watching. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy. Uh, but I, I, you know, I always uh, related to, or to if me, if I still sit and, in that chair outside ringside watching wrestling, what I would want to see, and 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 nobody, I don't, I don't want to know. What was it years ago when a TV show come out, The Secrets of Pro Wrestling? Mm-hmm. You know, and guys are supposedly going to expose the business. And I, everybody asked me, did I watch? I didn't even care. Uh, I wouldn't even let people tell me about that. I know what goes on, and I don't want to know what goes on. <laughs> RJ, yeah. that makes sense. No, that makes 100% true. And then I remember when that came out too and uh you know, I got into the, you know, started my first uh pay-per-view that I saw was uh well, not when I was old enough to remember it was uh WrestleMania right. what was it WrestleMania 7 with uh Slaughter and Hogan in the main event in Los Angeles. And that was, you want to believe that, you know, you know, Slaughter was, you know, he was evil, you know, he was a sympathizer, right. he was that. And that's, like I said, yeah. that was when, like I said, wrestling was wrestling then. And yeah. it goes back to when, you know, my grandfather, I'll tell you, I'm sure people have heard this story before, but um, 
my grandfather, you know, he passed away last year, but he actually gave me the uh, a VHS tape recording of the Russians versus the uh, Rock and Roll Express. And wow. I literally wore that thing out like it was my business. My and when I was in Baltimore, after I when it, where I met you, I um you know I walked up to um, Ricky and Robert and I said yeah. I think Ricky was doing an interview with somebody else, so I didn't want to bother him. I said, hey, Mister, you know, Mister Gibson, you know, I I I I just want to say thank you very much, you know, for um you know, for for what you've done in your career so long, you know, the first match I saw for my grandfather was your match with the Russians and, you know, just wow. sat there and I talked to him for probably like, you know, you know, about 10, 15 minutes and it's just like, oh man, I'm like, okay, don't, you got to breathe, you got to breathe, you got to breathe. Yeah, I know. And, yeah, you sound like but, uh, you know, that, that's kind of special, because, you know, I was there that night, I mean, in Shelby, North Carolina, when, uh, nobody here knew what Rick and Robert were. They had never heard of uh, the Rock and Roll Express. And I remember Dusty. Uh, I, I wrestled, me and Gene Regan wrestled Rick and Robert's very first TV match ever here. And they, it was the night they won those tag belts from the Russians. And I remember Dusty brought me in the dressing room. And because uh, I, I didn't never, I'd never heard of the Rock. I didn't know what a Rock and Roll was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I. I asked Dusty, I said, what the heck is a Rock and Roll Express? Because we, nobody around here was playing music or anything in the Carolinas. And I remember RJ, he, I read Robert loved this story. Uh, Dusty, Dusty looked right at me and he said, because I told him, I said, Dusty, I don't know, I ain't got a clue what a Rock and Roll Express is. <laughs> I'd never seen these kids. He looked right at me and he said, well, just catch them. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, whatever they do, just catch them. In other words, they were going to be flying all over the place. And all right, my job was to just catch him. But I'm going to tell you something, RJ. And I, I stand this by the Undertaker's pop, uh, the Sting's pop. But when I was in that ring and that rock and roll music started, and all of a sudden here comes these beautiful two-looking baby faces. And I, I literally, and, and, and I'm not exaggerating, fans were tearing their clothes off. I mean, it was like Van Halen was coming to the ring. <laughs> and I'll never forget, I looked over at Tommy Young, the referee, and I said, what the heck is this? I mean, we've never seen nothing like that down here. And, buddy, you talking about a territory exploding? That was the beginning. Because usually when two big baby faces come in, Dusty was a genius. Because usually it took them time to get over. In other words, they would maybe two or three times they would fight for the world belts and, 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 and finally win them. But that night, Dusty was so far ahead of everybody. They won the belts that night, and then we all started making money. And then it, I've never seen, it's, it's legendary. When rock and roll got hot here in the Carolinas, I, I could write a book. Uh, Jim Crockett actually brought the FBI in uh, here, RJ, if you can believe it, because rock and roll were so hot, people were printing their own shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can believe that, and trying to sell them at flea markets. Jeez. So Crockett brought in the FBI to travel around here for a week to some of these flea markets, kind of shut them down. Mm-hmm. Now that, for a right to, I mean, you're talking, it, it's unbelievable. I, I, I still talk about it. You go down here to Myrtle Beach during the summer, and there wouldn't be rock and roll, fly, I mean, it wouldn't be like, you know, rock and roll band flags. They would be rock and roll spread. There were shops at Myrtle Beach. 
selling Ricky and Robert stuff. I mean, you go down the Grand Strand, you look over there, Ricky and Robert, all these windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was unbelievable down here when mm-hmm. they when they, when it took off. But then, buddy, it popped out here, and everybody there was a wait list. If you can imagine, RJ, there was a wait list for wrestlers trying to get in this territory. Wow. You, you, you think about going in a restaurant and they tell you to take a number and you got to wait outside. This this territory was so hot, there were guys waiting. They put their name on a waiting list mm-hmm. trying to get in here. And mm-hmm. man, I grabbed a hold of Rich and Robert. Listen, they, they, the boys used to laugh at me because they at the shows, they would get, they would love so much, RJ. They would be getting cards and candy and flowers. Well, they couldn't take it all home with them. <laughs> so I'd go in after the show and just rack up. Right. I mean, I, I, listen, I'm, I, I, I took so much stuff home to my kids. <laughs> they thought I was like the greatest dad in the world, RJ. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was just because Ricky and Robert were so... Uh, uh, my favorite story, then we'll move on, RJ. I remember the boys, all the boys went through the wrestlers. They went through this phase where they all bought these rattlesnake cowboy boots. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about this fake rattlesnake. I'm talking Billy Jack Haynes had them, Ricky Rock, and Nelson Royal, an old-timer, owned a Western store here mm-hmm. in uh, outside of Charlotte. It's still open, if you can believe it. Oh, and uh, all the boys used to go in there and buy their boots. Well, I never could afford uh, a pair. I mean, these things were like, at that time, they, in the 80s, they were like $700 a pair. Oh, wow. But the most beautiful, I've always been a cowboy boot mark in my whole life. Anyway, I remember one time in Atlanta TV, RJ, you can believe this, Ricky Morton had a pair of them boots on. I mean, it, they were the most beautiful boots. And I told him before TV that day, I said, man, I said, Ricky, I love them boots. And RJ, he looked right at me and he said, well, do you want them? <laughs> and I thought it was just like this wrestler rib or something. And I said, huh? Excuse me? He said, well, do you want them? And I said, dang right, I'd love to have a pair. He said, no, I meant, do you want these? And I said, are you kidding? He said, I tell you what, I don't have an extra pair. He said, but I go home tonight. You come by my house in the morning, and they're yours. RJ, I will tell you, I went by his house the next morning thinking, this is probably the greatest rib in the world, you know? But I got there, and do you know that Ricky Morton gave me those boots? I mean, and I still have them. Yeah. 30 whatever years later, 40 years later, I still have them same cowboy boots. He gave them to me. And so, anytime I get a chance to, to tell people how much I love that guy, I mean, you're talking about a young kid like me that was just starting out and, you know, trying to make a little bit of money and just feed my family. And then for somebody like him to, to do that for, mm-hmm. to me, I never forgot it. Mm-hmm. To this day, I never forgot it. So that's how hot, and I didn't mean to get on that wild goose chase, but man, that, it was unbelievable. No no fan nowadays would realize how hot the Carolinas was. And you know what was special, RJ, and then I promise I'll be quiet, <laughs> is we still depended, and this is what I miss, we still depended on the fans to pay our bills. In other words, there was no, nobody was under no contract. Yeah. In other words, if we didn't work our butts off, and entertain those people. They weren't, they weren't coming back. Right. And then if they didn't come back, then ain't nobody making no money. So uh, we had to go out there every night and just bust our tails. And I'm not saying the guys don't do that now. But, mm. man, when there's no contract, you know, 
or there's no, you got to go out there and you got to earn it. Mm-hmm. And you really got to make these people come back. And, and that's when you really knew what these guys were up to and mm-hmm. how hard they worked. And, and of course they do now, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of sponsorships and stuff like that involved, which we didn't have a, you know, we didn't, nobody had anything like that, mm-hmm. you know, in early days. Yeah. What an amazing time, man. That would always be mine. Not because I was here with Crockett, uh, but you know that Baltimore, uh, big huge convention that me and you're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's been 30 years since I've seen Jim Crockett. And, you know, I, that was one reason I agreed to go up there is Jim and David Crockett were going to be there. And even though I had thanked Jim Crockett all these years, and I just wanted to be able one more time to just tell him thank you. Mm-hmm. And I was able to. So that was a special time just a couple of months ago when we were up Baltimore together is just being able to pull him to the side. And, you know, I, he may have thought I was nuts, but I just wanted to make sure that I he knew how much I appreciated, you know, mm-hmm. what he did for me here. So it's a lot of special times. Yeah, and I think without... Without like guys like Ricky Moore and Rock and Roll Express, like George South, like you know the Crockets, there wouldn't be, you know, this reincarnation. I guess we could say of you know the new look NWA with Mr. Corrigan and Mr. Lagana, um, and you know guys like yourself and the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky and Robert, are getting reintroduced to to the you know the current fans of wrestling that you know back when you guys were in your heydays you know you know they weren't a they weren't even born yet or b they you know they were you know weren't young or old enough to really realize how how wrestling actually was um and when you and when you faced uh uh you know uh mr um oh i forgot his name (laughs) i had him at the tip of my tongue um uh, Colby Carino, um, right. and when you know Rock and Roll came back and won the tag straps, and I'm like, man, this is I I don't think um, I popped. I think I popped hard, harder for both you and the Rock and Roll Express when you guys came out, yeah. and I'm like, oh man, this is you know you, you go back to that nostalgic feeling when you're growing up watching you know watching you guys go and go and go. Um, and yeah, it was just absolutely phenomenal. How, you know, how did you, you know, first get involved, you know, you know, with, you know, the NWA currently? Well, you know, uh, RJ, they were first class. First of all, they were first class to me. And I'm, I'm planning on going back when all this mess gets out of here. But it was funny that you, you know, talked about the memories and stuff. You know, what was, uh, and the fans may not understand this, but when I got there, uh, uh, a couple months ago, whatever, go down there. The studio was unbelievable, first of all, but you know what brought back so many memories for me was the coldness. And I know this sounds crazy, but when I used to go to Techwood Drive and even the early NWA Georgia Championship Wrestling tapings, they had to keep the studios real cold because the cameras would overheat if they didn't. So all those matches with Flair and Arn and all those guys, the road warriors over the years, it was always in, unless you was in that studio, you didn't realize how cold it was in that studio. So when I got down there to Atlanta a couple months ago, we got there real, real early in the morning, and I was able by myself just to, to walk around the ring and the, the studio and the coldness. I, I ain't lying, I almost started crying. It, was, it brought back so many great memories of just 
I knew it was something special, and I was just standing there in that studio by myself. Mm -hmm. So, and I've always, you know, stayed in touch with a lot of the guys, uh, uh, you know, there. And, 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 man, when they first asked me to come, see, I, I didn't even know I was going to work with Colby. I didn't, I just wanted to go back one more time. It was kind of funny that morning that we, they scheduled a bunch of interviews for us, RJ, and I'll never forget sitting there. And the young lady that was asking the questions, she was very young, so you could tell she probably didn't know my history or anything like that. And the first question, she said, well, Mr. South, she said, you know, what is your ambition, uh, you know, to, to, to be in the NWA and, and something like that. And I looked there and I said, and I was joking, I said, ma'am, I said, I never left the NWA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She bound her up to a sharpie, you know. She said, "Excuse me," and I said, and "Listen, I said, you know, in nineteen eighty, I think it was like nineteen eighty-two, the first time I ever wrestled for the NWA, and I never quit." Mm -hmm. And so we kind of got, you know, a, a laugh, you know, out of that. And and but I loved it. I mean, it, it was, and, and, and I'm telling you, and it, you know what was so special? I just told someone else this. They didn't put no pressure on me, uh, RJ. Uh, mm -hmm. In other words, what I mean to that is. They didn't tell me what to say. They didn't tell me what to do. They gave me freedom. And as a pro wrestler, you got to give me that. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, sometimes it's scripted and you got to go by a plan. And see, I've never been able to do that because that ain't the way we were trained. That ain't the way I do it. I can't do it that way. Mm -hmm. I like to go out through that curtain and fill the people and them feed off of me and then let's do something magic. Mm -hmm. And and they let me do it, and I had to. You know, you would not you would not think that I lost. I mean, the the, the wonderful, beautiful feedback I've got from people and, and like yourself and people that just want to interview me and stuff. You'd have thought I won, mm -hmm. and it's just a special. I mean, I, I love that kid Colby so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have so much respect for him. I've known him since he was a baby, and, and his dad, that whole family, and to, so to do it there with him was, I'm telling you, it, it was pretty special uh, for me. And, and it was just, uh, you know, and I'm hoping to go back. I, I mean, it just, they didn't tell me what to say. They didn't tell me how to get heat. They didn't. The only thing that I'm still getting used to, RJ, because I'm still, you know, old school, is the fans being able to comment live, you know, mm -hmm. why you come out. Uh and, and, you know, as you're sitting there watching it, you know, later on I was able to watch it, then you see your fans can actually comment from their homes on their computer. Now, that was, that was weird, very weird to me. No. And, uh, you know, and as a heel bad guy, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, you got to let me comment on your comments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you right. know what? So, uh, but that, that'll take a little bit for me, and I know it's the whole new concept of, uh, the funny thing was everybody was laughing at me because I couldn't get used to saying circle square. Because, you know, all these years I've said square circle. Right. You know? And so it, it, uh, most of the interviews I do, I've messed it up. I have to go back and do it again. But, uh, I, I love it, man. That studio alone is enough to take your breath away. And then the detail, when you look at that ring and the way they refix that ring, most people think that that's still a Jim Crockett, you know, I tell you how I felt the first time being in a ring in Atlanta when I heard Gordon, Gordon Soley say my name. In other mm -hmm. words, 
Okay, being in a ring with Gordon Soley a few feet away behind that podium, and you hear him say your name as a young kid, I, that's when I realized, man, thank you, Lord. I, 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 this is pretty cool. Yeah. So to be back there again, you know, and, and almost, of course, not with Gordon Soley, but to still hear your name mm-hmm. in, in that same setting was, man, it was, it gave me goosebumps. It still does even talk about it. Yeah. Uh, that was special. Yeah, that was one of the things that, you know, I tell a lot of people, or a lot of people ask me, hey, if I'm just getting into wrestling, or I, you know, I'm looking for something different, and, you know, to watch, or whatever, I said, you know, go back, you watch the old AWAs, or NWAs, or anything like that, uh, Mid-South, what have you, and that's one of the things why I liked when you and uh, Colby Carino did what you guys did with the NWA because to me, when whether it be a match, whether it be a certain worker, talent, whatever, when they bring emotion out of you, and that is when, you know, that's wrestling to me. When somebody, whether it's a move, whether it's a promo, whatever, when, when Kobe got emotional talking about his son and talking about his dad and, you know, yeah. It was just absolutely. I'm like, oh man, that's that's awesome. And then as soon and then you with yourself being the heel, I'm like, oh man, he's gonna get it now, isn't he? <laughs> and you know what I loved? It was so funny. People actually, they just didn't know. They thought that Colby turned those tears on. In other words, they they and, and I think they're just some fans just don't get it. But they actually thought that he planned on you know just being able to cry and turn them back off. You know the tears. But I'm thinking, no, you missed it. If that's what you think about that special interview that that young kid did and, and how great he's doing now from what, you know, those demons that he's battled. And I'm thinking, man, that's a story in itself mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. And man, I couldn't look at him when he was talking because I was getting emotional, mm-hmm. you know. And so, man, that, that was as real. Uh, they did not tell us. Uh, I mean, I already had my mind made up, RJ, that I was going to put Colby over. He deserves it. Mm-hmm. And nobody never told me to do it one way or the other. Nobody told me anything. They let me, and they trusted me. See, that's what's missing, RJ, is there's so much trust involved in two guys. I didn't I didn't talk to Colby before we went out there. We didn't go over nothing. And, uh, and I didn't want to. See, I still want to feel something. When I, those people didn't know who was coming through that curtain. Mm-hmm. And, man, what, it was special. And I'm not saying we'll ever recapture that again, but I hope what we did that day, the, only, the one purpose I wanted out of that whole thing was to help Colby. If anything that we did that day can, can advance him, and I, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm, and it may not, but I'm hoping that I did a good enough job uh, uh, advancing him a little bit because he is a man, and I I don't shoot bull. I mean, I just if, if you're a goof, I'm gonna take it. But man, he he just deserves a great chance. And if there's anything I could done that day, people are still talking about it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's how blessed I am. Mm-hmm. Why did we do that? Maybe four months ago. Right. And people are still messaging me, uh, asking me when am I gonna go back down there. And so that's special to me. I don't care if I ever go. I mean, if I don't ever go back, they can't take that part away. That man, that morning or whatever it was we take, those people got very emotional. 
against me in that race. I mean, they could have got their hands on me. They'd have beat me to death, RJ. <laughs> and, but you know, for what? Maybe we got there 30 minutes at the most, but for a brief moment, man, people forgot their jobs, their aggravations, the traffic. Man, for just a little bit, and they may never admit it, but just for a little bit, man, some of them people were kids again. Mm-hmm. And, and they, were, they were booing the bad guy, and they were cheering the good guy. Mm-hmm. That's all, that, I'm telling you that. People ask me all the time, can you explain pro wrestling in simple terms? And I, that's, I tell them that about six words. You just boo the good guy, cheer the, you know, cheer the good guy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. But you know, it all starts, RJ, with the wrestler itself. In other words, I knew my job before I went out there. My job is to get my butt kicked. It is. And it's not no rocket scientist, uh, you know, uh, observation. It's just my job is to make that baby face look like a million bucks. And I've done it for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of guys that would have went out there. You know what? The greatest compliment I've ever got is after that match, when I went and hugged Kobe's neck and thanked him, he said, I trusted you. And that, as a pro athlete, a pro wrestler, that's more than any, that's more than money, that's more than a contract, a WrestleMania ring, or all of any of that, mm-hmm. to me, meant the world to me. Mm-hmm. And he trusted me. He didn't open his mouth. I wouldn't let him. And he trusted me, and that's gone. I wished it wasn't. And, and with my wrestling school, I'm trying to hang on to that, but, man, I remember getting in the ring with Brad Armstrong and, you know, Denny Brown and guys like that, and, and, and they would just tell me, you know, George, I don't want to have to open my mouth. I just want to listen. Mm-hmm. And, and that's amazing, amazing feeling when guys put that much trust into you, mm-hmm. buddy. So, but I'm hoping they call me back. I, 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 it was funny, because as I walk out, the first question one of the fans asked is, why he got Batman all over his jacket? <laughs> <laughs> I think, man, I've been doing this 40 years, and that's all the question you got. Uh, but it was kind of neat. Then I explained, you know, the whole story behind me. I, I did, man, I did three interviews on just my ring jacket. Yeah. So, who knows? Yeah, because those, those are for your uh, your grandkids, right? They sure are. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, RJ, they... Just whenever they find a patch, or they love superheroes, of course, like all young kids do, and, yeah. and so they and I'm a, I, you know I go on the road so much, and and so I just sew them patches on my old ring jacket. I've had that old jacket for years, but it's it's kind of neat now when I go out and they you know they get to watch me on YouTube with that jacket on, and they they you know it's just a part of them, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the fans felt stupid for asking me that once they found out the reason, <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's uh, you know another from one superhero to another. I noticed I didn't realize this, but when I was doing my research, you um, you had the first televised uh, uh, match for the uh, Blue Blazer back in '88. Uh, and with for those that don't know who the Blue Blazer was, it was uh, Owen Hart underneath a, a, a hood, a mask. Um, right. How you know looking back at it now, how how was that experience? You know, what I mean, obviously it's a kind of an open ended question, but you know. <laughs> You know what was so funny, RJ? I don't know if you've heard this, but you know, we screwed up the finish. Uh, you know, I uh, believe it or not, and when we came back, Owen went to do that 
I call it the two the two cold Scorpio finish, you know, because he was the first guy that ever I see see do it. You know, the top rope, what is it, flip, look into a flying body plant, whatever it's called. Right. And that was Owen's finish. Well, he'd never done it, so I'm actually and it's definitely you know the the top the arena that night was sold out. I mean, WWF was at the height of their career. And, mm-hmm. I mean, just huge. And, and Owen, first time he ever done Blue Blazer. He, he did the flip, ran around my head. I mean, just, we he, he misjudged it. He'd never done it. And so, I, basically, almost knocked me out. So, when we come through the curtain, Vince McMahon was so mad, he told us, go back and do it again. Now, RJ, I thought he meant later in the show. No, he did not. He meant, turn around and go back and do it again. Do you know that me and turned around. I was dizzy. I mean, I couldn't even see the ring. And they pointed me towards But we went right back and did the whole thing again. And he hit it perfectly. So even when they came out with Owen's DVD and the, that match is on there, mm-hmm. uh, the, the finish that you see is the second time we tried it. But you know what's so neat? Uh, I speak to a lot of teenagers and I go to a lot of youth camps and share wrestling stuff but I use that story and it's such a blessing because I have not to give up I mm-hmm. mean seriously I mean you're here it is you're on nationwide television and you're told to go back out there and do it again I always loved Owen but you know as I I get older uh, RJ and I look back I, I wish and I tell people this all the time I wish I would have slowed down and I did I mean I'm very appreciative and I, I you know I took pictures with these guys you know, my biggest regret, RJ, is I never got a picture uh, with Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. You can believe that. I mean, I, you know, you're always in the dressing room with him, and you just put it off. You know, you just say, oh, I'll get it next week. I'll get it next time I'm up here. And I never, man, I regret that to this day. Mm-hmm. So I tell these young kids I train now that they're worried about being a mark or, or bugging the wrestlers. I'm saying, listen, bug them. If you want a picture with Ricky Steamboat, who's the greatest guy ever, or, you know, Scott Steiner, who may, you know, bite your head off, <laughs> you know, go, go do it. Yeah. I mean, go ask, because nine times out of ten, they're going to they're gonna say, sure, and you'll have that picture. And so I tell these young, even young fans, that you ain't going to know to ask, but, man, as I look back, even being around Owen, uh, you know, so many of my friends, uh, uh, Brad Armstrong, you know, just unbelievable talent that passed away so young and mm-hmm. uh, man I miss him I, I still talk to Brad's family uh, you know uh, uh, still stay in touch with his wife and daughter his daughter's in college now oh, wow. uh, but about once a week you know I just text them and uh, you know check up on them and so just to, you know and, and I just want to stay connected uh, uh, to Brad and that family and just so many special times because you really you hear it so much now RJ but we spent more time with each other than we did our families mm-hmm. I mean I used to joke with Brad Armstrong that I wrestled him so much I should have just married <laughs> I mean because I you know I was with him more than I was with my family right. and you know what's missing RJ is we depended I, I just wish I could go back in time and I remember when they Dusty broke Ricky and Robert up and put them in single matches against Ric Flair. And guys have always asked me, well, George, did you ever get, like, jealous? Because should that have been you, or should that have been somebody else? Are you kidding me? We were so happy for each other, mm-hmm. because we all were going to make money. Does that make sense, RJ? Oh, oh, yeah. I was never, I was never 
never jealous of somebody getting another spot because I knew we were all going to make money. Mm-hmm. Because if Ricky against Rick Flair sold out, then I was going to be first or second match, and I knew I was going to. I mean, mm-hmm. we just really depended on each other. Yeah. I mean, I remember many times in Kansas City when I was starving. I was wrestling Kansas City, and they had made it twenty bucks a night. And Ricky and Robert would come out there, and many times they asked, they would give me money just to get by, you know, or ask me did I need anything. So we really depended, and I never forgot any of that. Mm-hmm. I may not be remembered from, you know, my great wrestling matches or anything like that, but I'm never going to forget, you know, what these guys, these older guys did, uh, you know, for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I try to pass that along, uh, RJ, mm-hmm. to, to the young kids that I train is, and, you, you know, I've shared this before. Um, like, my first week in the business, I didn't have a clue. I still don't know what I'm doing, but this I was real bad. And I was just trying to work hard. And, and I remember Ron Starr, who passed away a couple of years ago, he he made a lot of money in Puerto Rico. But here in the Carolinas, he, he did, like, a little bit of first, second match for Crockett. Anyway, I met in Atlanta. This is Georgia Championship Wrestling. And he told me, he said, kid, he said, all you can do is leave wrestling better than you found it. And he told me that probably at the end of 1981. And man, that just hit me like a brick. And that's all I've ever wanted to do. I messed up a lot, failed a lot of times. And, but I, I, that's all I want to do when I'm done mm-hmm. is just leave pro wrestling, you know. And if I can do that through the students, you know, that I'm training, and if they can help leave it, better then it's 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 been one great great ride buddy yeah it's uh it's definitely you know great to see especially with the training school that you had with the uh, george south pro wrestling school with you got you know graduates such of you know you got cedric alexander you got tessa yeah. just two of the many that i'm sure will roll out of that school and you know get onto the these big time promotions but it's the stories that you have that I've heard in other interviews with from Tessa where she still comes back, Cedric still comes back and, you know, really gives, gives the, gives back, um, to the school, to you. Um, because obviously they wouldn't, uh, you know, w- without George South, there wouldn't be, you know, as Tessa Blanchard, the way she's bursted onto the scene as far. And with Cedric too, I think he's yet to, right. you, you yet to see this, what he can do, I think. Cause that's right. Uh, Cause I've seen a lot. Yeah, I, 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 I saw his stuff earlier in, um, I think it was out in down in Baltimore, down in, uh, you know, the Carolinas there with PWX and, I just, I'm like, oh man, this guy, he's going somewhere and, you know, and hopefully that'll, you know, we'll see That's that right. coming soon. Well, you know, uh, RJ, I've always said when I had the privilege of training, you know, Rick Flair's son, uh, Reed, and even Ricky Steamboat's son, little Ricky, mm-hmm. and when, when guys that you respect and love, when they bring their kid to you and they say, George, I trust you, man. That's like the greatest, now there's a lot of pressure in that, but it's like the greatest compliment that you could ever get, mm-hmm. you know, in pro wrestling. That they trust you with their kids, with their, with their sons. Mm-hmm. And so that has been an amazing thing for me. You know, Barry Darso, Demolition, you know, his son, and just so many great, and what I've always tried to do is keep, yeah, I show them some moves and, and learn them the wrestling part, but I really try to teach them a little bit about life. And 
you know, just simply how much God loves them and, and that you got a chance. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, you're talking about pressure. Most people think just because your dad was famous that you're just going to naturally be famous. Mm-hmm. And that ain't how it works. Uh, there's been many interviews where Tessa's had to calm me down because people would say, oh, you're probably just getting a break because of your dad. And, oh my gosh, RJ, you're talking about fighting mad? Because, I, you know what I tell people? That wrestling ring don't care what your name is. Mm-hmm. When you take a bump and you hit, that ring don't care who you are. And so they forget the hard work that these young kids do. Mm-hmm. To me, it's harder. When your dad's Ric Flair or, or, you know, Tony Blanchard, and of course, poor Tessa, she's got, you know, Magnum TA mm-hmm. in her life. She's got me. She's got Tully. So can you imagine the pressure on that sweet young girl yeah. and, and that lady? And she has just, you know, knocked that door down and, and worked so, just so hard uh, to prove that she earns everything she's getting. Nobody's give her nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm like you. You know what was funny about Cedric? I used to joke with him when he first got signed with WWE. I would say, Cedric, I love seeing you on TV, but to me, when me and my kids walk in Walmart and we see you hanging up on the shelf, then I know you made it. And I was just like an inside, you know, rip with him. And and you know what? Two two weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, uh, I got a package in the mail, RJ. You can believe it. I got one of his action figures. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now, you know, so Sutter so said, yeah, I guess I finally made it. You know, it's just cool to see a kid from Charlotte who worked his tail off and you know, these guys come to me and these girls, they've never been in a ring. Everybody thought Tessa had been in a ring before. She'd never even been in a ring when she came to me. So so just to see that hard work and how hard, it's just amazing to me. And and, and I'm like you with Cedric. I hope they just give him the ball. They, WWE has so much talent right now. That, that it's just hard for a lot of the guys. They, they've got... For who I you know what I tell fans, RJ, for the ones you see on TV, they got ten times as much down there in Florida that ain't on TV yet. Mm-hmm. That are just waiting for their chance. And and that and we hope you know the window is so small for, for for wrestlers to get noticed and stuff, and I'm just hoping that man they get Cedric the ball and just let I mean it, it's unbelievable mm-hmm. uh, the stuff he can do. You know, I wrestled his first match in front of his mom. And RJ, she threw a chair at me. She still <laughs> laugh about it. She got so mad at me that that I was beating up her son that she threw a chair at me. So I tell Cedric now, don't ever let WWE book me against you because your mom will come out and stand. <laughs> but, but man, just unbelievable the stuff that they do. Yeah. I watched uh, uh, him against Ricochet the other night. They got a tag it. Yeah. And, but I've seen a couple of their matches and, and it was some unbelievable stuff that they do and and it's a, I always joke with Cedric it's sad that the circus ain't around because man he'd make a fortune <laughs> you know shooting him out of a cannon or something yeah man yeah because even my, my son watches a lot of the uh, the WWE now too and he's watched a lot of you know Cedric's stuff and a lot of Ricochet stuff and he's like daddy 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 I want to watch Ricochet I want to watch Cedric I said <laughs> okay let me, let me let me get to the network let me you know let's see what we got here bud and uh you know, it goes to a test on how, you know, how much hard work does pay off. And, uh, you know, it goes, to, I'm like, 
it goes to that old adage. I'm like, is you know, is that WWE the kind of be and end all kind of thing now, or do you think there's just so much wrestling out there that you don't necessarily have to, you know, make right. it to the WWE to, you know, exactly. get over? Okay, you just took the words out of my mouth. I tell everybody, yeah, that's the, you know, I use it as football illustration. Yeah, that is the NFL. But if you don't make it, you would believe how many young kids that think their dream is going to be over if WWE don't call. And I am totally against that. There is so much good promotions and wrestling. There's overseas. And I know this this virus mess has calmed a lot of stuff down, but it's like Tesla. There's people that still don't understand why Tesla is not with WWE right now. Now, if that happens, me and her both are going to be very thankful, but we're not sitting around waiting for grass to grow mm-hmm. under our feet. I mean, she's making, well, she has made a name for herself, but she just did a you know, movie with The Rock. And, and so there, what I teach is, yeah, they may call, but if WWE does not call, that doesn't mean that you still can't fulfill your dream. Mm-hmm. And now, it, it's hard to understand. WWE is the biggest show in town. But I, 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 you know, there's a whole world out there. And I tell my students, there's more to wrestling than Charlotte, North Carolina. There really is. And and if you're learning, but you know, everybody's in such a hurry now. I just had a kid, ain't even started yet. And he asked me the other day at my school, how long does it take? And RJ, I started laughing. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, how long does it take, you know, to get big? And, you know, I, I, it, that's just, it blows my mind that this kid ain't even took a bump yet. Mm-hmm. You know? And and so we'll see. And, and I, I mean, I love that enthusiasm and stuff like that. But I don't, I tell you what, tell them, I'm not rich yet. So you're not getting rich before me. <laughs> <laughs> so you better slow down a little bit, yeah, okay? Yeah. And, and it's just amazing. And, and, you know, I get a lot of people that really are not wrestling fans. That's what blows my mind is they just, they're tired of their regular job and they know WWE is paying big money. So they think they're going to quit their regular job and maybe, you know, work out a few times and then they're going to get signed with WWE. And, and I said, you know, so a lot of times there's a life education there where I'm telling them, y'all don't have a clue how this works, do you? And so I still very old school, RJ. I take them on the ring with, uh, on the road with me. And, you know, believe me, having somebody set a wrestling ring up tells you a lot about that person. Mm -hmm. Uh, if they're, if they're going to make it, cause I'm telling you, you know, WWE still does that. I love it. You know, they're referees and, those young kids down there, those young stu- uh, trainees, they set the rings up down there. Mm-hmm. And and I love that. I tell more in five minutes than you could ever tell me with your mouth. Yes, I, I give you a broom. Old-timers used to give a, a young kid a broom, an old straw broom, and say, sweep the ring out, I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. And when I was young, I didn't understand that. And every time that old-timer would come back, that, ring would, that, that broom would be laying in the middle of the ring, and the, and the kid left. And I thought, what's going on here? But I learned such a valuable lesson. If you can't stay and sweep that ring out, how are you ever going to listen to me? Uh, and I, I do that to this day. People think I'm stupid. It, it, you know, jacked up athletes coming here and, you know, they're fixing to the power bomb somebody. And I give them a broom and said, well, go sweep. I'll be right back. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, RJ, to this day, nine times out of ten, that broom's laying in the ring and that guy's gone. Right. And I'm thinking, man, if you, if you can't listen to me on something simple, how are you going to learn this wrestling business? Mm-hmm. So I'm very thankful for the older guys that, I'm going to tell you, you know what I miss more than anything, RJ, is, is even before this virus mess, is just riding in the back seat of a car with some of these older guys and just listening. Mm-hmm. You know, now everything, even when wrestling's great, it's everybody flies everywhere now. There's really no car rides. But, man, I, uh, you're talking about learning so much about angles and storylines and just, because they wouldn't let you open your mouth. Uh, and most of the time you had to drive. And you just shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. And and it's just, man, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I would give a million bucks for that time that, you know, I, I just got to listen and pay attention. You know, you know, I, I didn't know everything. I still don't. Many times I had to be smacked upside the head because I thought I knew more than, you know, somebody, Ole Anderson, and he corrected me real quick, you know. But that's, and I tell these young kids, if you just be quiet and listen, you will learn so much in professional wrestling. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I work for, I do backstage interviews for a local independent promotion up here in in Rochester, uh, Upstate Pro Wrestling. And it's a very, a very young, young promotion. Um, a lot of good talent here, but it's just a matter of, like you said, it's, you know, you give them the broom test and, you know, if they're still there in the ring, then great. If not, then, you know, you know, you know what you have. And that's right. And a lot of these guys, just because I work with them with their promos and stuff and backstage stuff, they, you know, they come to me and ask me questions about, oh, well, how should I say this? How should I say that? I said, you know, just feel it, man. You know, feel what you want to say, you know, get the beginning of it and get the end of it. And then you work on, you know, the in-between because, right. you know, as long as you get your main point across, a good promo, like, correct me if I'm wrong, a good promo only lasts maybe two minutes, if that. It sure does. RJ, you know what Terry Gordy used to tell me who I loved? I, Terry, I used to just pick his brain. And I know he, he, Terry Gordy would see me come and he'd take off running. Because <laughs> he knew I was just going a million questions. But you know what? He told me as, as when he was a heel, when he was, that was his favorite to be just a hated bad guy. He would tell me, you know, just give me two minutes. He said, whether I'm doing an interview or whether I'm a bad guy. And you go back and watch his matches. He said, if I can't prove to you that I'm the baddest guy, you know, in the bar in two minutes, then I don't need no more time. And you go back. He would have an hour match, but he would give you. 50 minutes of it. You go back and watch his matches with the Von Erichs and all them, and he, they, they, they'd be in the death for 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then he'd get the heat up on them, and then I swear, in five minutes, you thought he was the baddest guy you've ever seen in your in your life. Mm-hmm. And you're exactly right. So uh, that, I tell these back guys, these heels and stuff like that all the time. I mean, and especially since we, you know, I had my match with Colby with NWA, is they, they have, the, the most asked question since that match is how long did me and Colby talk over that that day? Because you know, most people knew we was at the studio all day for TV and all that. And, and when I say we did, they say, oh, come on, come on. You know, I know you. No, we didn't. And, and you know what Ole Anderson told me one time, RJ, and I know I'm getting off the subject, but Ole explained it, and I love this. He said, if me and you love to paint, and I give you a blank canvas, and I say, paint me a picture. That's how I'm trained. 
Mm-hmm. The way some of these guys are now is I give you a canvas, a blank canvas, and I tell you what to paint, RJ, mm-hmm. and that's not fair. Right. Because if I give you a blank canvas and I tell you what to paint, that's my creation. That is your creation. Does that make sense? No, it, yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. I give you a blank canvas, these students I've got, and let you go out there, and you may spill some paint. It may be the ugliest picture. You know, one of the, I love Paul, uh, Paul Stanley of TSS quote. You know, he loves to paint. And he said, if you paint a Coke can, and it looks like a Coke can, that's all that matters. Right, right. <laughs> you know, no, who cares what the people think? Yeah. As long as you believe it looks like a Coke can. So... Uh, I totally agree with what you just said. You get a, a, a good promo, and they should know your point right off the bat. Right. You know, ain't it amazing how, what was it, Jake Roberts walked out a couple weeks ago, and, you know, he picked up a microphone in years and did, did a, an unbelievable interview, and, you know, just had people bolt to the television, and he just he just did it the way he does it, he does it you know, and uh, it's just a lost, lost art. But you're right, even what you're teaching those kids up there, that's mm-hmm. so true. Yeah, you can't go out there screaming for two hours, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but there's even there's a guy up here that he's uh, used to wrestle with R- R- ROH and a lot of other promotions. HC uh, Loke, and he's one of my favorite guys to you know sit and pick his brain because he's seen a lot of it. And he always used to joke around with me because. He's like, okay, I got to do a promo with you. Let's go. Let's do this. I said, okay. He's like, what do you want to talk about? I said, I don't know. I'm like, you, I'm like let's let's aim for two minutes or a minute, and um, you know, we'll go from there. Well, yeah. The funny part about it is, three four minutes later, he's still talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, buddy, I can't, I can't cut this up. You know, I, it's got to be. A, it's not a live promo. It's to to record. But I'm like, he's like, I do the. <laughs> he, he keeps telling me, he's like, I do the best. Uh, uh, th- uh, two minute promo in four minutes. So, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, but you know, it's you know, it's a lost art. It definitely is, and it's just one of those things that you don't see. You know, in a lot of these promotions where you know something is so scripted, you don't see people anymore saying basically. Yeah. You know, okay, this is where we want to be. This is what I want. You, I suggest that you want right. to say. Um, and I, I think it is just because there's so many writers that you got 30, 20, 20 to 30 writers in the back trying to, you know, uh, write this stuff That's out right. for. I'm like, you can't. And, and, and it's noticeable, too. Yeah, it sure is. And, and I'm telling you, I couldn't. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. To yeah. me, you know, guys joke with me that, I, you know, already not got it pro wrestling because it wasn't like a real job. You know, and, but you think I couldn't put the, the word for word the way they've asked you to do it. You know what was special when me and you first fell in love with wrestling, RJ, is even in my early days, there was something for everybody. In other words, there were, yeah, there were muscular guys like Tony Atlas, but there were also heavy set guys like, you know, Haystacks Calhoun. You had short guys, you had tall guys, you had, you know, even midget wrestlers, you had, well, you had something. For everybody. And now, and it's getting a little bit different now, which I love. But man, for a while, everybody looked the same. Everybody. Mm-hmm. And and it, it, and I'm not saying they didn't look great. I remember one time my grandbabies were playing with their action figures. And I happened to walk by and I looked down the floor and there's like 12 figures in a pile. They all had, you know, big tattoos on their back. And, and I said, 
Dallas. I said, my grandbaby, I said, what are you doing with all these Brock Lesnar figures? There's like 20 of them. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, no, Papa, all these are all different guys. <laughs> and he starts naming, you know, every one of them. But my first glance, every one of them looked the same. Yeah. And that's kind of how it is on TV for a while, is, you know, they all look great. But, you know, that's, uh, that's why I'm just loving it, how they're changing it up a little bit. You know, everybody don't look like a fitness model, you know? And, and some of those guys got a little belly on them. Some of them look good, you know? And you gotta, I know you gotta look the part, but it, I'm just so glad it's get back to where there's a little bit of something for everybody now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've, uh, me and Tessa's had this conversation and, uh, you know, several of the lady wrestlers that just the pressure they have to look good all the time. And that's what I love about Tessa. Sometimes she'll get up, put her hair up, and go to the gym, and she'll post a picture. She's not afraid to say, hey, I'm working, I'm sweating, I'm not going to look mm-hmm. beautiful right now. And, and I love that, that you just show. You know what's missing in wrestling, RJ, is the reason I become a fan, and I'm sure you become a fan, is you said it earlier, is I felt like I was part of it. In other words, when I went to the matches as a kid, I felt like Wallow McDaniel needed me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really did. I thought, man, I got to buy a ticket and I got to be a ringside because he needs me to fight Black Jack Mulligan or somebody like that. And, and, but what's happened, a lot of the fans nowadays just quit going because they go, hey, they don't need me and I'm not, you know, I don't feel like I'm part of it anymore. Uh, all I done in that match with Colby in that, in that studio is I made eye contact with a lot of them people in that crowd. And you, you, if you could have, they just, a lot of them just met me. And if they could have got their hands on me, they would have, they would have killed me. Mm-hmm. But it was just that eye contact that I put them in the ring with me. And man, they, they were, <laughs> they were ready to wrestle too. Let mm-hmm. me tell you. Yeah. So, but I think if we could just, uh, you know, and, I always joke and say, ain't none of us know what we're doing. We're just all doing something that we love. And, you know, you go, Black Bart used to tell me years ago for Crockett, he'd say, man, you're going to get so much advice from people. He said, just take what you can use and throw the rest away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, for sure. that, that's my advice to everybody. Yeah. You know, and another thing that I noticed too is the, um, the book that you have out is, uh, you know, how did you come up with this title? Cause it's very unique. It's like, it's called dad. You don't work, you wrestle. Um, how yeah, did you, you know, uh, it's, it's funny, RJ, most people, that's kind of what they think of pro wrestlers anyway. They yeah. think we don't really have a job. You know, we just been like playing, but you know, years ago when my twin girls, I got twin girls who are like 23 or 24 now that they, uh, man, when they were little, I'd come in off the road and, and literally they'd be going nuts. I mean, you know, hyper jumping on the beds. And one night I just simply told Abigail, I said, honey, you got to lay down. I got to go to work. And she's, you know, she's at that age, that little smart mouth. <laughs> you know, she come right back and she said, well, dad, you don't, you know, you don't work, you wrestle. And I thought, man, if I ever write a book, uh, man, I'm going to title it that. Because yeah. I couldn't get no better title than that. But, no. And then I just met, you know, Mark James, who's such a great job, a great guy. He, you know, he did uh, Bill Dundee's book, and he's done so many great books in Tennessee. And, and, and it's funny because I, you know, I didn't, I didn't slow down long enough to do a book. I'd always had notes. And I met him, and he said, well, just give me what you got. And bless his heart, I handed him 
popcorn boxes and napkins and stuff that I just wrote over the years. And man, he uh, he did it, and I'm so proud of that thing. It's been out a little bit now. It's still doing great. Uh, I just mailed a couple of them off, and you know, I wanted people to feel RJ when they read it that they're sitting like me and you're talking. Mm-hmm. I didn't want like a ghostwriter to change all my words and you know say things and not talk the way I talk. I wanted it to be like you're sitting around, you know, and us talking. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, Tommy Dreamer. Like, you know, what's special is I give a lot of boys a copy and just for them to read when they're on the road and just so much great feedback. You know, uh, of that special time of when I started and and how much fun I still have doing it. Uh, I still, you know. What's hard for me now, my kids asked me yesterday, it was beautiful here in Charlotte on Saturday, and they just asked me uh, how hard was it, because they knew this was like the first Saturday, full day, in probably 40 years that I've been home. Yeah. It really is. And it was the weirdest thing. I've got a, a wrestling ring that I, I use at my shows. It's it's on the trailer out here beside the house, and it, it sounds crazy, but... Man, I'm miserable. <laughs> I mean, you know, I just want to set the ring up in the front yard, yeah. you know, just to be around it. And, and if nothing else this virus does, as I hope, not just with wrestling, but people may just slow down a little bit. And I'm going to tell you, I love an old-fashioned gallon of milk, and I'll never take going in Walmart again for granted <laughs> just to get a gallon of milk. You know, yeah. something that we, I used to laugh about and now, I'm limited. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and i got to take a number to go in and get my gallon of milk. And yeah. man, you just stand back and say, oh, I'll never, I'll never laugh about that again. Yeah, you right. Know? And, and, and so I'm hoping even with wrestling, too, that, I mean, I've had promoters ask me, when this is over, do you think fans will stay away? Or will they rush to the buy tickets. I think, and I may be wrong, I think fans will be so hungry to be able to, because there's nothing like going to the live shows, uh, RJ, you know that. I mean, TV's great, big productions is great, but man, I love an old National Guard army that's hot, you know, in the summertime, and fans can still walk right up to you and talk to you, and you know, that's that's special to me, and and I love it, and, and I'm hoping that, you know, we get back to that soon. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing like a live ruckus crowd, uh, independent wrestling, whatever the case may be, or wrestling in general. Uh, you know, right. with, with that being said, you know, with a lot of the guys and gals that you've seen go through your school presently in the in the near past or what have you, um, you know, who are a few of those people, guys or gals, um, that you know, the fans really that listen to this. And you know, really should keep our eyes on that. You're gonna make that a splash like, you know, a big splash like Cedric did or Tessa or whomever. Who are a couple of those guys that or gals that uh, you know really th- you really think are gonna make a name for themselves? Well, two of them that come to mind, and it ain't because they're coming out of my school, but but it's because they are really working their their tails off. And uh, one of them is Mon- uh, Montana Black. I, I call him T Rex because he's a huge, huge guy. It, it's kind of a joke because when I first started training in Jurassic Park, one of the part, uh, Jurassic movies that came out, he was going to take his girlfriend to go see it after training. But I, you know, big mouth that I am, I'd already seen it. Hmm. So I told him to finish, you know, the Jurassic Park. And he hates me to this day. <laughs> that's what broke up, you know, that's what broke up his relationship. 
real good. I, him and I, of course I've got one kid I call Movie Mike that's, that's starting to get out and and uh, I call him Cam Newton because he loves the old Panthers here in the Carolinas. But those two and man, I've got man just a great group of guys and and it ain't. You know, if I don't like you out of the ring, I'm not going to like you in the ring. Right. And what I mean by that, RJ, is these kids, I've really taught them the right way, and I'm proud of that. I mean, they, yeah, they're in this to, to be as big a name as they can and make a lot of money, but they're also there, uh, you know, like when one of my students needed help moving, I don't have to ask. Does that make sense? I know it sounds yeah. corny, but they're there doing stuff that the fans don't see that I do. Mm-hmm. They come and help me out at my school. Went with some of the newer students. They're always there. Uh, I still do a lot of, it sounds crazy, RJ, I still do a lot of free shows. I mean, I'll go into some low-income areas and set my ring up, and, and we'll do a couple matches. And, and, you know, just love on people, kids and stuff. Feed them a hot dog. And, 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 and there's no money in these things. But these students that I just mentioned, uh, really all of them, they'll come and help out and spend the whole day with me and, uh, you know, just some amazing things that I see that that, that I saw with Tessa. Uh, before Tessa ever had her first match, I took her to a high school here in the Carolinas just to make an appearance and, and just so kids could meet her. And she was so over. Nobody even knew who she really was then, but... Those kids at that high school felt so in love with her that mm-hmm. they have a picture mm-hmm. of her hanging mm-hmm. in that high school to this day. And so little moments like that, uh, my greatest compliment is, uh, uh, I was just talking to Shane Douglas, and he was at a show, and he met one of my students. And I didn't even know they were on the same show or anything. And he was telling me how respect, respectful and See, stuff like that you can't, man, you can't buy. Mm-hmm. And so to see my kids act like they got some sense, because I tell them, I don't care who you were before you came to me, but, you know, now you've got my name on you. And and for, like, Terry Taylor or Ted DiBiase to see these people at other events and, you know, text me. I, I tell you, uh, Darius Lockhart, who is one of my, all-time favorite students. This is how funny that our business is. He booked his own tour, like, over in, like, France. Mm-hmm. This was, like, maybe two summers ago. Oh, like, in London for a promotion. And I was so proud of him because Darius, he booked this on his own. So he goes over there, and guess what? This promotion brought Ricky Steamboat over there mm-hmm. to do a seminar. And nobody knew nothing about this. So when Ricky Steamboat gets there, guess whose friendly face that he saw was my student, mm-hmm. who he knew through me. So Darius got to help Ricky Steamboat with his seminars. Huh. Now that's like the greatest. He called me when he got back home and was so excited that Steamboat asked him to do that. And, you know, Steamboat trusted him. So those stories like that, I could fill a book up. Yeah. So those those three, uh, uh, just so many. I've got, uh, you know, I've got several guys that, you know, what makes me proud as a trainer, RJ, is a lot of these people that I get. They've never. Most people think you've got to have some kind of experience to train to be a wrestler, and no, you don't. What I'm happy about is when I feel like I'm saving a lot of people's lives, RJ, because a lot of them forget going to WWE. 
I just got them up off the couch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, man, I've got them like hitting the ropes and actually feeling good about their self. Now, of course, they got dreams too, but, you know, I'm thinking, you've already made me happy mm-hmm. just by walking in that front door and, and getting active mm-hmm. and, and, and doing something. So it ain't always, dang it, I didn't make it to WWE. They never called. I tell you what I did, uh, RJ, and I don't know if you saw any of this on Facebook, but uh, a couple months ago, people that got to work for WWE as an extra, they were actually so proud of it, and I loved it. They were posting their envelopes on Facebook mm-hmm. and because they were excited. And so a lot of old-timers were really dogging them for doing that, saying that they look like a mark. And, and I got so mad over that because... Do you know what that means to some of these young kids to get a check from WWE? So I tell you what I did. It took me about four days, but I went back. And I was kind of being a jerk. I went back and dug up all of my old NWA checks, <laughs> uh, envelopes. I still kept them. The WCW ones, Smoky Mountain, Bill Watts, all those territories, when you got your check, like I got old NWA original like Bob Geigel envelopes with the logo on them. And I posted all them on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sitting here, you dang old timer, what are you going to say about mine? <laughs> because I know the excitement of going to that mailbox, and I admit it just being an extra on WWE, but you got a check mm-hmm. from WWE. And so I've never forgot. I hung on to all that stuff. I, you know, so I posted all my, uh, you know, checks, envelopes from all these companies too. So kind of shut everybody up with that, buddy. But oh, that's yeah, those right. are probably three of my special ones. I've got yeah. a whole group of kids and we're just going to keep trying to do it the right way, buddy. Right. right. Well, you know, lastly, before we close shop for this episode, I just want to, you know, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know, you know, with the current situation with everybody's in, you know, nothing but time, but, you know, you've been very, you know, very welcoming to to, to me, and I appreciate that. Um, you know, just lastly, you know, plug if, uh, you know, guys that are listening to this or gals that want to come down to Charlotte and get involved with your school, how can they get a hold of you for that and for you in general if they, you know, they want to chat. Yeah, please. I, I, it sounds crazy in this, this internet age and stuff, but I still have an old-fashioned, you know, website. <laughs> and uh, it's just georgesouth.com. And they've got, uh, it's got my uh, my buddy Dick Bourne. He does the Mid-Atlantic Gateway uh, website that, uh, that's been around for years. But he keeps it updated. It's got all my information. There's, a, there's an email on there. There's a phone number. Uh, man, any way they want to get a hold of me, uh, they can find it if they just go to georgesouth.com and, uh, you know, I answer all of my emails. I asked this, they said, well, when does is, when is your people, when does your people give you your email? I started laughing, RJ. I said, <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have no people. You know, I am the people. So I, I, I will, uh, uh, you know, get around to answering all those and a lot of times they just request a picture or something like that and uh, but they can go to that simple little website, a lot of great old pictures. And, of course, my school uh, information, you know, is on there. And mm-hmm. they can email me, and uh, I can get around, you know, to answering all those. But that, that'll get everybody, you know, right to me. And, man, I'd love to hear from them. Uh, you know, there's a lot of 
uh, as you know, with kids, there's a lot of times I have one guy that, like, every day he would ask me 100 questions, and I finally said, buddy, you know, I'm still, like, human. I've got <laughs> kids and grandbabies. You know, I can't. Grandbabies don't understand why you've been on the computer for two hours, you know? <laughs> uh, so I have to kind of cut it short. But mm. I always try to return and, you know, answer everybody's questions and stuff. Mm. And, and, Artie, I just appreciate you, buddy. I'm mm. telling you, I, I learned years ago, I... Uh, you know, one more story. I used to see Rick Flair walk in the dressing room and he would just walk, he'd go wash his hands or something, but he'd walk by a guy and tell him to stand up and he would lock up with him and then he'd just walk off. And for years, I, I didn't understand what he was doing. And and later on, I asked Ronnie Garvin, I said, why does Rick just walk in the dressing room and like lock up with somebody and then leave? And, and Ronnie said, oh, George, you don't understand? You don't know? He said, he can tell more by locking up with that guy, then he, he don't have to go watch his match. And so what I meant by that is, you know, five minutes after me and you talk, I do a lot of podcasts, a lot of interviews, a lot of times, and sometimes I'm just in a hurry to get off. You know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, man, he doesn't know nothing about me. He doesn't care about wrestling. They just want to talk, and, and you're not. I just appreciate your time, too, mm-hmm. uh, RJ. I know you're busy, and, uh, man, I enjoy it. I, I get to talking, and... You know, of course, my grandbabies today said, Dad, please, uh, Papa, please don't talk all day. I think I have. RJ, I'm sorry, buddy. No, it's fine, man. No, my, uh, my wife, uh, you know, you know, pokes fun at me all the time. I, I guess that's why we've been married for 10 years, I guess. But, um, she always laughs at me because I literally can talk to anybody about anything and you, you throw wrestling into the business and, you know, I, I could talk forever, but I'm glad that, uh, you know, it's very humbling to have, have kind words coming from you. It means a lot. And, um, you know, and hopefully, you know, this will, uh, you know, be good, good reaction from a lot of people. And, uh, you know, definitely would love to have you on again in the near future if possible as well. Well, we would, but we'll do that for sure, RJ. And, and buddy, I'll be praying for you and that family. And if I can ever do anything else, you just give me a call, my friend. And man, I appreciate it, buddy. I think you, uh, I think you introduced me, and I talked for two hours. I think. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, that that works. Like like I said when we got started, I said, you know, when I when I first met you in November there at Starcast, uh, Mike, uh, your friend or a, fr- a mutual friend, Mike, uh, introduced us, and I'm like. You know, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, with you and Mr. Dwayne Gill, I said, okay, here, just go. I'm like, I'll just, I'll just sit there and, you know, I'll listen. You know, I'll, I won't say anything until I'm spoke, <laughs> until, until you guys say anything to me. Then I'll start, you know, perking up and, you know, reacting. But, you know, it's been definitely well, been a pleasure. Well, buddy, it's been my pleasure. It sure has. And if I could do anything else, just let me know. And, and, and we'll touch base. Just if I could ever do anything else again, you just let me know, okay? Appreciate it. Yes, sir, my friend. Thank you so much. Have a great day. What a great interview, if I say so myself. A big thank you goes out to Mr. George South himself for coming on, taking time out of his busy schedule with his family down in Carolinas. Uh, Check him out across Facebook. You know, if you are even thinking about becoming a professional wrestler, George South is the first man that you guys should check out. Great man, great person, and even better trainer as well. So give him a follow on Facebook as well. Uh, but while you're doing that, head over to facebook.com slash ringside rant. Follow us right there. Follow me on Twitter at ringside rant underscore RJ. But 
check out my great, great sponsors I have for this show. Uh, if you go over to powerslam.tv right now and use the promo code RINGSIDERANT, you can get your first 30 days free of powerslam.tv. It's a fantastic product. I enjoy it, and I'm sure you will as well. Another thing that you probably will enjoy is the merchandise store we have right now. we got t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs. Go over to ringsiderant.deco-apparel.com shop to get your great apparel now. You have some comedic shirts over there as well. Bald is beautiful, and I don't need a belt to be over. Go over to ringsiderant.deco-apparel.com shop today. And big thanks to our friends over at What For Apparel. Head over wherever you get your podcast and make sure you subscribe to The Ringside Rant on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Anchor, just to name a few. But we're also proud, very, very proud to be on Full Press Coverage and the Full Press Radio Network. So head over to fullpresscoverage.com radio to listen to the ringside rant today you won't only only hear the ringside rant but you'll hear great great shows like boots to the face and talk a mania just to name a few while you're online go over to reapersbrew.com and order yourself some great coffee grounds i still have two more containers full of their great coffee it's absolutely phenomenal. My favorite is the electric chair. So I highly, highly suggest you go get some too at reapersbrew.com. Finally, if you are a big wrestling fan like I am, you need to head over to fight.tv, set up an account, and start watching. The uh, amount of wrestling that is on that site is absurd. You can spend days and days and days by just watching Fight TV. So go over and subscribe, and make sure that you purchase Fight.TV because you get not just wrestling events, but you get TV shows like PWR360. So says Chernoff, just to name a few, two great friends of the show. With that being said, I appreciate everybody that has listened this week to the Ringside Rant. A lot of good things are to come coming up next week. I'm sitting down with two great guys. Well, one great guy and Barry, but I kid. The Husky heartthrob himself, Barry Frost from Doing the Favorite Podcast, as well as Eric Brown will be on next week's episode on Wednesday as we are going to induct two wrestling matches into the Hall of Fame. You're going to have to make sure that you follow this show's on the Twitter gimmick as well as you know my personal one at ringside rant underscore RJ to make sure you know which ones that you can look forward to hearing from from next week. So with that being said, thank you very much for tuning into this week's episode of the Ringside Rant and welcome to Ranters Nation. <laughs>